Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt leaves, loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. And the whole church said, It is amazing to me how important teaching is to God. He began revealing himself at creation. And even the creation itself is, is kind of an example of how God said, I want you to investigate. I want you to learn. I created a world that is complex and full, and, and I want to open the door for you to investigate. He created human beings with this incredibly inquisitive mind. I sometimes wonder if part of the process of becoming an adult too often is about losing that inquisitiveness and that imagination and, and we really need to reverse that because that's what God created. It's the thing that he put there. There's a, a powerful um, idea in the science of intelligent design that says the earth is, one, is this uniquely created planet. And you can, you can kind of go for a very long time unpacking that. But one of the reasons that the earth is such a unique planet is because the way the atmosphere of the earth works and where it is inside our solar system and even bigger, inside our galaxy, you have the ability with the mind that God gave you to look out at the universe and to go discover. From the very beginning, God invites us to be learners and God himself is the teacher. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, that famous passage, the invitation to parents is teach your children. But, but understand that that invitation is not just a family issue. If I am an ancient Near Eastern person, particularly if I am a Jewish person, I understand the family not simply as my mom and dad or maybe my grandparents and my siblings. I understand family as the community. And that all of us are invited to join with God in the business of teaching. Now make no mistakes, the first place that we teach, the first subject that we teach, Proverbs particularly emphasizes this in a big way, the first place is to fear the Lord your God. Somebody say amen. If we're not teaching that as the primary thing, then to learn is misguided into things that don't honor God. But when we discover the awe, the awe of knowing who God is and how, how much greater He is than we are, then learning becomes this powerful thing. The word university, originally when it came out, when it was about the idea of universal application, and the idea was that all subjects would be applied to the understanding of who God was and how all subjects universally applied to who God was and learning more about God. You didn't graduate university without a significant amount of theology. So learning and teaching is a God thing.
But you see, it's not just the idea of we're going to learn about God. I believe that God unfolds the world in a way and says, I want you to learn about it all. If you grew up a, a little Jewish boy, and again, forgive me, I didn't make those rules. If you grew up a Jewish boy, you learned how to read by reading the Word of God. But make no mistakes, you learned to read. When we look at the life of Joseph, and he gets put into uh, Potiphar's household, what does Joseph bring to the game? Well, Joseph knew how to read and probably knew how to count, which most of the people in the household didn't know how to do. And that was because he grew up as a child of a faithful family who knew who God was and knew what it was, not only to teach the fear of the Lord, but to be people who were educated. God's in the education business. And while we don't have necessarily instruction on ABCs in the Bible, and while we don't necessarily have instructions on addition, I can at least point to Psalm 119, which taught you your alphabet. Each section of Psalm, if you've ever wondered why it's so long, it's so long because all the sections start with the letter, each section starts with a different letter in the Hebrew alphabet. You would memorize, you would learn, it applied to bigger and better things. God believes education is incredibly important. And then I want to just go one step further. God doesn't ever just invest that education in a few select. But he says that all of us are involved in that education process. Of course, parents are involved in that process. Of course, grandparents are involved in that sub process. Grandparents, please say amen. Where would our grandchildren be without us? I'm fairly certain of that. But see, more than that, even as you look down through generations of people, you also recognize that it is the older students, older children, who are called on to teach the younger students. It's a constant process that all of us are involved in. And occasionally, the Bible opens our minds to the fact that not only it is it the older who are supposed to teach, but sometimes the younger the younger reach out to us and teach us a thing or two as well. And our hearts are intended to be pliable to what God wants us to learn, even if that voice comes from children. There are two stories in the Bible that are radically different from each other, and yet they have the same core meaning. You find the story of the calling of the prophets, and Isaiah's is, is, a, is a majestic scene in uh, the temple itself, and he is full of awe. In fact, he is full of woe because he doesn't think that he belongs in that place with that person. Jeremiah's is a little more simple. He's clearly not in the temple and probably not a priest, and so holds God in that special uh, kind of relationship that Isaiah did. But still, Jeremiah kind of has to argue and dialogue with God. Ezekiel, on the other hand, seems to be just kind of a folk just like you and I are. And God's basic call to him in Ezekiel's chapter 2 and 3 is the idea of come and eat. I've got a scroll for you, and I want you to eat it. And again, Ezekiel's a lot like me. God hands it to me, and what does he do? He eats it. Then we turn the page to the New Testament. We have examples, and again, the story was so important that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell the story of Jesus walking by the sea. They all tell the story of Jesus coming by the tax collector's booth. 
And I think there's a divergence here. There is the awe that Isaiah holds for God. And, and he's, he's backing away. Whoa, 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 whoa. But isn't it powerful the way that while Isaiah was in God's temple and God was something to be feared, that when, the, when Jesus comes, Jesus, that fullest representation of the presence of God, which is what the temple was about, walks down the beach and nobody is pulling away in fear. And yet they both call. Isaiah, God says, who will go for me? And in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is, come follow me and I'll make you fish for people. It's an incredible call. And we might like to think that it is a call just for a select few but the Bible's message, whether it's the message in Isaiah or the message in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, whether it's the message to Moses, whether it's then the message to Peter, Andrew, James, and John, Matthew, you keep the list going, is clearly a representative picture of Jesus calling me and you. Calling us. And the response, the response of those who God uses is just like the guy said in the kid talk. Yes, here am I, send me. They left their nets behind. Matthew leaves his tax booth behind. And, and by the way, when they left the nets behind, they were leaving behind the day's prophet, the fish that were in the nets. When Matthew left his booth, he left probably funds there. And he could have been called into account for misusing or losing those funds. And yet when Jesus said, come, it wasn't this shrinking, oh God, you're too big and too much. It was this, I'll come. I'll follow you. I'll go wherever you lead me. Now, they didn't always fulfill that completely, but make no mistakes, they did it. And before it was done, most of them gave their lives to do it. And that's not just the disciples. That's also the story of some of the prophets in the Old Testament. So the bottom line of the message today is that God is calling. God is calling, and, and I want to just push it a little bit further our culture, our society is calling and saying, we need you. Now that's true basic, at the most basic levels. We need parents to be the best teachers they can be. Somebody say amen. And by the way, it doesn't change. The order doesn't change. We always need parents to be the best teachers of the fear of the Lord and what it is to follow Jesus that they can be. We need grandparents who don't try to take the message in another direction but who say, no, I want to I do what God wants. And even though this is, just, this is two generations as opposed to one generation and maybe the message and the method changes a little bit because a new generation has come along, we still want to point them toward what God wants. As a church family, 
We have to be the people who step up and say, yes, God, we will teach. We will teach them to love the Lord, not just with our words, but with every action. But the message today is a little more particular. Because we are in need of educators. This unique scenario in, for the last hundred years at any rate, maybe longer, where a pandemic has changed the way our society interacts with each other. It shut down schools last year, and yes, there were children who logged on and did what they were supposed to do, but not as many as you would have liked. In fact, far too few. And now we come to a new school year, and we say, we need you. We need our whole community about education. We need to support kids. What are you learning? Have you been online? Are you, we're asking them what their lessons are. We need to join parents in that. But let me say particularly, teachers, we need you. Educators, we need you. If you're on the support staff, we need you to do things to help people learn. If you're an administrator, we need you to make decisions that help people learn. Because if there was ever a time when we got reminded again that education is absolutely essential, the removal of children from schools and the distance of learning as opposed to it being a face-to-face interaction will have incredible consequences. In fact, I have a feeling on August the 19th when students log on for the first time, at least in BISD, Whenever those initial interactions occur, I think we're going to be shocked how much we lost just by one spring. So we need you, teachers. We need you, educators. We need you, everyone involved in that process. Private or public school, it doesn't matter, or homeschoolers. We desperately need you because our children need to learn. I'm going to go a step further. God commands that our children learn. Our children deserve to learn. And so we need educators. Does that mean it's going to be an easy proposition? Answer number one, everybody say it together, no. Does that mean it's going to be a proposition without risk? And that is the answer to that is also no. And the risk is going to increase as we choose to assemble in classrooms and be where a teacher can see a student and see how they're struggling and assess why they're struggling, one student, and say, I can get you over that hump. I hate to think about what I wouldn't know if it weren't for Miss Bell, if it weren't for Miss Rushing, and if it weren't for Miss Pope, who, who took Alan and helped him get over those humps, I can promise you I wouldn't be here speaking today. Or if I was speaking, you wouldn't enjoy it nearly so much. Let's just say it that way. And the question would be, don't you think that you had to have that as well? 
we uh, are praying for our teachers, and we have some great educators in this congregation. We have a, 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 an administrator who works at the central office, Clara Sales Davis, and she and I sat down together, and we had a little conversation, and she's going to encourage us in how we need to be praying for our teachers. Hi, everybody, and I'm really happy to have Clara Sales Davis agree to come visit with us as we this Sunday are going to be uh, praying over and blessing our teachers and educators. I thought it might be fun to grab somebody who works with them all the time and talk a little bit about uh, how we want to pray for our teachers and our educators, our support staff, all those kinds of things. So, Clara, as you think about the best things we can be praying for these people, what, what comes to mind for you? Well, this year is pretty unique in that it, we've never started like this. So I would say the first thing is for us to have courage. I think there's a little anxiety as we, you know, battle the coronavirus. You think a little anxiety? Just a little, just a little. <laughs> and let me set, tell you why a little, because as Christians, and I have to remember this, we have to be brave and courageous. Yeah. And one of the things that you can help us with is help us to remember, number one, to trust. Mm -hmm. To trust in our Savior. Mm -hmm. to, to know that He has His hand over us because He cherishes what we do. Because He has given us our most precious, precious entities, and that's our children. Yeah. Our precious jewels. That's the the best thing on earth that we have is our children and our grandchildren, our, our great-grandchildren and our foster children and all the children in the world. And, and he's put us in charge of our children. And so I know that we have to have that strong courage so that they can see not only the trust that we have in our Savior, but the courage that we have in relying on our Savior. Amen. So help us to have that courage. Okay. The other thing too is help us to remember our, help us pray that we have, we can remember our purpose. What is our purpose? And our purpose is to serve him, to serve our Lord, and to, to really know that that servant leadership is, is our priority. Mm -hmm. And so with that courage and that servant heart that we remember to stay calm in the chaos. Mm -hmm. Let them see our inner peace that we draw. And even though that we just might be freaking out in reality, but, to, but on the outside, we need to show them Jesus. And Jesus is full of love, and he's, he's calm. And, you know, his examples that he leads for us give us that calmness. Mm -hmm. I like to say we got to stay calm in the chaos. Yes, yes. And while the chaos is really going on up here, that our outer part is reflecting him. And I think about one of the stories in the Bible when, you know, the storm was just raging and yeah. Jesus was sleeping and it was yeah, like, yeah. wait a minute, we're, we're all going to drown, we're going to die, and this is just, this is can't be happening to us. And, and you know, he woke up and said, trust me. Yeah. You know, trust me. And we have to be that trust me boys and girls or students and uh, young adults we've got this yeah. whatever it is we can figure it out together because we we have this higher power that if he made the universe mm -hmm. he can help us through the through coronavirus this. yes 
right? Yes, I so, agree. The other thing, too, I think, uh, pray that we remember who we work for. Because a lot of times we think about we work for the boss, we work for the man, we work for the school district. But in the reality, we work for God. Yeah. He is our boss, and that's who we serve. Yeah. And so pray that we are surrounded and blessed with Christian leaders, you know, from our superintendent down to the, our co-workers, to our colleagues, that we are blessed and surrounded with people that have the same power that we have. Yeah. And I just think collectively we can really make a difference in the lives of boys and girls, even through a coronavirus. It's kind of amazing the way uh, I think we take education sort of for granted. And I don't think anybody's taking education for granted anymore. Uh, you, you remove a piece of the puzzle. And it isn't just about kids not, uh, parents not having some place to send their kids. Mm -hmm. It's their kids not being able to learn the way they need to learn. Right. How do you see us being able to pray for um, our teachers? And the, again, it has to be daunting to think about grabbing these kids from all the places they, because not only is this year starting different than it did, last year ended differently right. than ever it has. How can we pray into that for well, the teachers? I think, too, we have to remember, Alan, that our parents are their first teachers. Yeah. And for some reasons, they fear, fear taking their children to school or sending them to school because of some health reasons, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. And so I think in the, in the line of the teaching profession, we also have to remember our parents as partners. Yeah. But I think just to, to help our teachers stay connected with our parents, mm -hmm. that's such a big piece of the success of the child is that we're not working against one another, that we're working with one another. Because I, help us know that we need our parents as much as our parents depend and rely on us. Very good. Thank you. Thank you very so much. So I think that, you know, we both have our areas of expertise, but when we can grab each other together, our kids are going to see the best of both worlds. It's kind of like a mother and a father. You know, when they work together collectively to mm. raise children, it's not always easy, but when they do it together, there's a stronger bond. Yeah. It's like the, the verse in Ecclesiastes. It says, you know, you're two, two, I don't know exactly, but you do. You're the preacher. Yeah. But, you know, when two ropes are bonded, it's right. strong. But when we can get three ropes, yeah. our parents, our teachers, and our children working collectively, I think we can perform some great miracles here on the earth. Okay. We're going to be praying for that. Okay. Pray for miracles. There we go. Yes. And uh, one last thing. Um, I think as we, we've been kind of focused mostly on teachers in our conversation at this point, but I, I just want to say how much I appreciate what the folks at your level, the assistant superintendents and directors, are doing uh, to lead. And uh, leading in a scenario where the, the, answer, the right answers are almost impossible to have, but leading with, with hope and trust, and I appreciate that very, very much. And I want you to know that we're praying for that for for you and and the the, the cohort of, of people that are leading this district and all the districts that are around us well I want you to know that we feel your prayers we feel 
we there is a spirit that really makes us stronger and it also gives us that that gift of discernment because we don't have all the answers uh, and and we try to uh, have a facade that we do know the answers but we sometimes have no idea <laughs> what we need to do yes and so we really I don't know if you realize it but and I'm blessed that I have superintendents assistant superintendents co-workers uh, people in the office that that love Jesus love Jesus yeah. and they they can feel that spirit too mm-hmm. and and so I want you to know that because there's been times when I've run down the hall to your wife Sharon and said I need you to pray for me right now <laughs> and and uh, very directive and abrasive but she knows that I'm stressed and whenever I walk away from her there's this sense of peace that I actually feel I don't know if it's because I'm getting older and I'm listening to God a little bit more uh, than I used to in my youth but I know that just being around fellow Christians gives me that inner strength and that peace that sometimes I forget when I'm in that world of chaos so please continue with prayers and that we have the prayers of decision making and discernment and that when we make mistakes we have the humility to say we made a mistake so we feel it I see the people that I observe from this district and I think they they live there in that hum in that humility and that appreciation for the the way that we pray for them and the people around them uh, I've been listening to Sharon pray over me for over 35 years <laughs> and uh, there are very few voices that I hear the spirit through more than hers so I'm glad you're blessed by that as well. I am blessed by that thanks again for joining me today appreciate having you well I appreciate you church be sure and say thank you to Clara for visiting with us today my pleasure thank you church were you blessed please share and reach out to Clara and say thank you and I hope that your prayers and we'll be praying in just a minute in fact Randy's going to get up and pray for us now so uh, let's join together uh, in our hearts even if we can't necessarily reach out and touch each other thank you Randy one thing before we pray uh, just need to remember um, getting those facilities ready Um, what we have to go through here just think what it is in our schools to make it clean presentable safe for our kids for the college I just finished uh, teaching a class this last week and the misery of teaching with a mask on was uh, was not easy and so uh, I know we're starting to kind of move away from being have the teachers have to do that. But um, the people who are cleaning, um, also I want to remember our uh, parents in this process of ones that may have to be at work and have kids at home and figuring out how to way a way to have them be able to study. Maybe a grandparent. Uh, is there with them so as we go through this process it's something very different this pandemic has put us in a in a different frame of mind and um, I know through our elders meetings and stuff that we go through about opening up the doors for worship it's not an easy decision and uh, and then when we had to close them then come back so uh, we may go through some of that through this school year as uh, we move forward so let's pray 
Our fathers, we lift up everyone. I would just like for our educators who are here in this room uh, to feel the power and the ones who are watching online to know that we are lifting you up. Uh, you are a special person, and uh, I just ask that those who are in the, in the teaching field in college, uh, through our high schools, our junior highs, our private schools, homeschool, whatever the avenue is for reaching our students, I just ask for there to be patient. I ask for support, uh, to be brave and have courage. We also need to trust in you and realize that you are in control and what you have put forth is something that you, that you will help us overcome. And, uh, and in the end, we know that your love will win. Just ask that you uh, give us a purpose to serve. Uh, our purpose we know is to you and that we need to show your love through us to all those who we come in contact with. We ask that, uh, that we be calm during this pandemic and the chaos that's going on. Uh, the calmness that we need to show and let that show through us because it will show to our students. Remember who we work for and we work for you. I just ask that you uh, be with the parents that they will not be frustrated and also work closely with the teachers. That the, so that uh, unity between them two can help support our learning and the learning that our kids need to have. You know, we are praying for a miracle, but we know you're in control. And as we look, look for you to give us direction and that we follow, let this time that we're going through can be a time that will uh, change this world and that the need for you to be in everything that we do is so important. We pray in these things in Christ's name. Amen. And the whole church said, Isaiah chapter 6, uh, just before God says, who will go? And Isaiah says, send me. We note that God prepares him for it. God comes to him and touches his lips with the coal. And it equips him for what God is going to call him to do. And in the same way, God equips us. He equips us in many ways. The greatest of which is he gives us his spirit. But a reminder of all that Christ has done for us is when we come around this table. The Spirit would not be ours if it weren't for what Jesus did on the cross and for what God did in raising him up. Someone say amen. And so as you take the bread and the cup today, and if you're at home, I encourage you to have your elements ready. As you take the bread and the cup today, maybe, just maybe, you think about the way. Aren't you thankful that it's not a hot coal that we have to take every single Sunday? That was a pretty good joke. You should have laughed at that one. I'm sure the people at home laughed. But that in taking the bread, which is the body of Christ, and in taking the cup, which represents his blood, that not only do we, are we reminded of the forgiveness that he gives us, but we are reminded that he will equip us for everything that he sets us to. Very quickly, 
of course, if you really want to know more details about our prayer list, you should open up the update, LJCC update from August the 6th. I won't be repeating what is stated there. Other than this, let's all celebrate together that as far as we know, we have no new COVID cases inside our membership or family of our membership. Somebody say amen. Uh, we are aware that Patty Pan is now home from her surgery and she's uh, recovering but doing well. We also want to be thankful that Alan Lee has uh, moved to a group home in Texas City. Um, if you would like to know about, and he would appreciate and has the opportunity for some contact, or if you'd be willing to help deliver uh, communion to him on a Sunday, please see Donna Marie and Robin. They can give you the details that you need to help with that. A couple of things we uh, need to update from Thursday that you need to be praying uh, desperately sincerely for. Um, Bernice Skinner's uh, situation has changed a fair bit. The details that we understand from her daughter is that her heart was not keeping up and so they put a pacemaker in and now the heart isn't keeping up at all. Um, these are difficult things if you were able to be with them but she is alone in ICU and so please pray uh, for Bernice but also particularly pray for Jack and the family. Also, my friend Mel Kelder had a very difficult couple of days after I sent out the update on Thursday. That seems to have turned, but um, he's still very much at risk. And so if you would remember my friend Mel Kelder in your prayers. Finally, uh, we got word yesterday that Danny Randolph's mother, Kate Randolph, um, and we've prayed for her before because of some health issues, but she passed away Saturday morning in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, the family is en route there as we speak, and there will be a visitation Monday night, and then services will be Tuesday at 11 there in Chattanooga. So if you would keep them in your prayers. Woe to me. If it's just me, I am completely vulnerable and unable to do for myself. But it is God who initiates. It is God who sends the seraph. It's God who sends the seraph to, to, to put that coal on Isaiah's lips. The invitation today is to recognize that I can't do it without God. Somebody say amen. I can't live without God, but I can't be his person without his help. I can't find forgiveness. I don't know what it is to to reach into his salvation and his new creation without him. But the good news is, is Jesus came, and Jesus did what needed to be done, and he is alive today, a first fruit of that new creation, and you can be a part of him. If there's any way that we can help you, any need that you have, because you recognize that you can't do it without God, and you're not sure where to go, you may come forward while we sing this song if you're here. If you're not here, please, uh, you can use the text number that there, that's there available and let us know what's going on. I'll, I'll literally watch it while the song unfolds to see if you need us to pray about anything. We need God. And God says, I've got you. God says, yes, whenever we say, I need you.